Fab Lab Podcast, three challenges to a fixed turnaround time. Welcome to the Fab Lab, the stone industry's only podcast dedicated exclusively to the business side of your stone shop, where we focus on improving operations inside the business so we can experience more life outside of it. So let's get down to business. Welcome back to another episode of the Fab Lab Podcast. I am your host, your happy host, your excited host, Aaron Crowley. So glad that you tuned in today for the topic that we're going to discuss, the three challenges to a fixed turnaround time. And before we get into that, I want to just give you a quick reminder, a couple of them actually. Number one, make sure you visit AaronCrowley.com. There are two amazing resources that I have made available to you there. The first three chapters of my book, Less Chaos, More Cash, can be downloaded for free. It's right there. It's the first button that you see when you open the homepage up. You download the three chapters. You can also take the Stone Shop Business Assessment. It is a free tool that I've created for you, fellow Stone Shop owner and manager, to assess the four key categories of success within your company. It's a way for you just to systematically evaluate, gauge, and rate the different aspects of your company to find out you know, where you're doing well and find out where you might want to make some improvements. So I just encourage you to check out AaronCrowley.com. I also want to encourage you to visit Google Play or iTunes and write a review for the Fab Lab podcast. Of course, it's like every 50th episode I remember to ask about that. And the reason I remember this time was because my wife and I had a conversation a couple of days ago. Somehow the Fab Lab came up a podcast topic or an episode or somebody we were going to interview or something. And then she just starts cracking up and she's like, oh yeah, did you read that latest review? And I said, oh no, I I, heart, I don't ever even think about that. I never even mentioned it on the podcast. And she's like, yeah, somebody left a pretty negative kind of critical review. And I was like, oh really? Well, what did it say? And she just starts busting the gut. And and so we went and read it. And I'm going to go to it right now because it is it's actually not very negative. It's not very critical. It's it's funny. So the title of the review is blob blob blah. I'm going to read read the person's name here in a minute. But the 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 comment is this: too much gab about everything except fab. More relevant content, please. And so the reason my wife was laughing so hard, she had a suggestion for me. She said you need to change the title of the podcast or the name of the podcast from the Fab Lab to the Blab Lab, and maybe this person would be happy at that point. And so I just I didn't honestly think that was very negative or very critical. I think it's a relevant, uh, pretty reasonable request. More relevant content, please. So. To to that point, number one, if you like the Fab Lab podcast, please go and write a review. If you think it sucks, you can, I guess you can go write that too. But if you've got something that you'd want me to touch on, if you've got a request, and so Mr. Oxtre Arste, I have no idea how to interpret Pig Latin, but that's who wrote this. Man, seriously, if you've got um, something that you want me to cover, this is an open invitation. Just send me an email, Aaron at AaronCrowley.com, and I'd love to hear from you. So it says, more relevant content, please. Just define what relevant content is, and I'd love to consider some different topics that we're not touching on here on the Fab Lab podcast. So thank you, Akre Arstray. I guess to that point, if you can interpret Pig Latin for me, maybe send me an email and tell me what that means, because I have the foggiest idea what that is. So ladies and gentlemen, make sure you visit AaronCrowley.com. Make sure you visit Google Play or iTunes and write a review. And, hun, thank you for the, uh, the, the laugh. That was good. Uh, if you're listening, I appreciated your suggestion for uh, renaming the podcast The Blab Lab with Aaron Crowley. So now back to our topic. Today we're going to talk about the three challenges that come with a fixed turnaround time. Now, in the last episode, actually the last two episodes, we've been talking about routines, rhythms, and patterns. The, the, the reason and, and why having repeatable, habitual 
routines within the business actually lend themselves to a lot more efficiency and productivity. In the last episode, I brought up what I call the rhythm of all rhythms, which is a fixed, consistent, unchanging turnaround time from template to installation. We talked about four distinct and very key benefits that come out of that for a stone shop manufacturing company. So if you haven't listened to that episode, it's episode 97, Rhythm of All Rhythms. I would recommend you go back and listen to that before you listen to this episode. It'll make more sense. Uh, so in this in this episode, though, I want to talk about the challenges that accompany that. I don't want to simply talk about the benefits without the reality of what comes with it. And so we've been doing a, 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 a relatively short but fixed and consistent turnaround time for probably 17 or 18 years in our business. And so I know this very well. But I also know the challenges that come along with it. And so we're going to talk about those today. There are three of them, and they're really And I would say to anybody that is inclined, just like the warning I mentioned at the end of the last episode, if you're ready to go do this, just hit the pause button and and, and listen, because there are challenges that come along with it. But I'm going to show you and demonstrate that even with those challenges, there are even additional benefits that accompany them, making it a worthwhile consideration. But we want to be fully honest. There are challenges and they are difficulties with maintaining that paradigm in your business, in your fabrication company. So we're going to get to those three challenges shortly. But before we do, I want to mention a word from our sponsor, the Stone Fabricators Alliance, the SFA. I was just thinking, I, th- I believe the very first speaking engagement I ever had in the stone industry was with the SFA. It was like the first or second year that they'd launched uh, the organization, and it, we had to hold it. It was at Stone Expo. It was down in Las... I don't even think it was Las Vegas. I think it was Anaheim. I think it was 2006, and they were such an outsider group at the time. We even had to have this at a different hotel. It couldn't even be held at the same convention center. Anyway, the SFA let me come in and speak, and I gave a talk called Managing for Immediate Results, and honestly, that workshop is actually what became my book, Less Chaos, More Cash. So since 2006, at least, I have had a very wonderful and very uh, beneficial relationship with the Stone Fabricators Alliance. And I would encourage you to do the same. If you're not a member of the SFA, it's something you really ought to consider. You know, right now, conventions, events, they're done. We can't do them because of social distancing. But that doesn't mean that we have to remain isolated. And that's the fantastic thing about the SFA. The SFA has been helping fabricators to help fabricators help fabricators for years and years and years, and it is still going on right now on their web forum. You can find that at StoneFabricatorsAlliance.com. You can also visit their their Facebook group, and you just go to SFA or StoneFabricatorsAlliance.com. Go to their Facebook group, Stone Fabricators Alliance, and join. 8,000 plus members of this group. That is vibrant. That is flourishing. That is an amazing community of fabricators helping fabricators. And you can join it right now. And you should. We need to be locking arms. We need to be passing information back and forth, sharing information, sharing things that we know, but also learning from other fabricators uh, that have learned things that we need to know. So make sure you check out the StoneFabricatorsAlliance.com. Now back to our topic. The three challenges with a fixed turnaround time. Now, even after I show you these challenges, I am still going to argue. (laughs) I'm still going to attempt to convince you of the benefit of having routines, rhythms, and patterns because they are universally helpful in the business. Anytime you can let your staff and your business develop habits, it allows 
everything in your business to flow more easily, more productively, more efficiently. But that is not to say that there aren't difficulties when it comes to actually implementing those routines, rhythms, and patterns. And it's not to say that those routines don't also create other challenges within the operation. And so we're going to get into that. The three challenges are, I would say, the the most distinct challenges that we face being a stone fabrication company that has a fixed turnaround time from template to installation are this. Number one, you have to say no to some jobs. Wait, what? Yeah, you have to say no to some jobs. Number two, Occasionally, jobs drop off the schedule at the last minute. When you've set aside time, committed to dates, and then those jobs get delayed for whatever reason, the customer backs out, cabinets aren't ready, the contractor can't manage his business, you know, there's a million other reasons why. It creates a gap in the schedule where that unutilized capacity may, you know, go unfilled. Uh, and number three, it can create an amazing amount of pressure and stress within your operation when something goes wrong at the last minute. When you've committed to a date, when there's a deadline, when the customer has an expectation and something happens at the 11th hour, pressure. You got to deal with that. You got to understand that that is part of having that fixed turnaround time. And the essence of the fixed turnaround time is this. One of the benefits is that you can commit to fixed install dates. You can actually commit to dates on the calendar that is a huge benefit to your customer. But once you've made that commitment, you got to fulfill it. It's worse to commit to something and then fail to meet it than it is to not make any commitment at all and just fly by the seat of your pants. So, So number one, the number one challenge with having a fixed turnaround time from template to installation is this. You have to say no to some jobs. Now, what does that mean? Why, why would I say that? Because if you're going to commit to installation dates, you've got to be able to fulfill it. And so you've got to have an understanding of what your capacity is on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. And for most companies, unless their staffing is changing or their equipment is changing on a daily basis, you have a pretty consistent output capability on a day-to-day basis, which means you're only able to produce a certain amount of work on a daily basis. So when you make that commitment, if you are already committed, if your weeks are already full and you get the call, you get a contractor, you get a homeowner that says, hey, I got to have this job done by this date. You look at the calendar and you go, I'm already committed. That week is already full. I've already made five commitments or 10 commitments or three commitments or whatever your capacity allows you to commit to. That puts you into the position to have to pass on some work. Now, if you're a company that does good faith business and doesn't overcommit to things on purpose, just hoping to get the sale, and then you can just you know deal with the collateral damage after the fact when you fail to show up, that's not who I'm addressing here. I'm addressing companies that want to build a business that is able to keep the promise it makes to its customer predictably and regularly so that... The company runs itself in the absence of the owner. It can still keep the promise made to the customer without the owner doing damage control all the time. And so when you have those commitments made, it forces you to sometimes pass on jobs that that have a constraint on their schedule that would require you to either, one, bump a job you've already committed to, or take on a job that would otherwise create chaos. When you know what your capacity is and it's filled, then it puts you into this conscious decision-making place where you have to say, okay... Before I knew what my capacity was, before I was really scheduling, I had no idea. So I could just take work on and I would just deal with it as it unfolds. Once you're beginning to manage your schedule like this, making commitments, now you've got insight that you didn't have before. And instead of just blindly taking on work and hoping that you're able to keep the customer happy, hoping they will tolerate delays and and you getting around to finishing their job, now you've made commitments and they expect you to show up. 
So are you going to commit to something that's actually going to stress your organization? Are you going to take on a job knowing that it is in excess of your capacity? If you do that, that's probably operating out of fear and you're taking on work because you're afraid you're not going to get the sale. Ends up in the end, oftentimes creating more stress and more problems. Mistakes get made. Now you got overtime. You were already on overtime because you took on more than you could commit to anyway. And now you got, instead of having just one person that you said no to, you might have three customers that you failed to fulfill your obligation to because of all the chaos that occurs when you overcommit. And so number one, there's a challenge. Saying no to work is difficult, but oftentimes what I've discovered over the last 17, 18 years since we've been doing this is that in the long run, it actually ends up benefiting us. Now, one of the things that you can do in this scenario is actually call somebody else and say, hey, I'm not so sure if you have to have our job done on this day. Is there any chance we could postpone it? Can we reschedule it? And sometimes people are completely willing to do that. Or you might discover that, you know what, I was needing to call you anyway to reschedule because I'm not ready. Boom, you open up the date on the calendar. Now you can commit. But if you can't, you got to say no to some work. And oftentimes that is the best decision to make for a well-run company. Number two, similar but different. It delayed when the jobs are delayed, not by you, but by your customer at the last minute, it creates this amazing scenario, this scramble within the sales office to fill that capacity. Because once again, you've got this fixed, consistent capacity. You can produce a certain amount of work on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. When one of those jobs that you've committed to is postponed at the last minute, material doesn't show up. Cabinet guy doesn't get his cabinets in. Whatever the reason is, all of a sudden now I've got this gap on the schedule. And if I don't fill it, that capacity that I have, which has a cost attached to it, is going to go unutilized, which means my ability to maintain my daily dollar demand targets diminishes. And I'm going to have a gap, not just in what work is going through the company, but more importantly, there's going to be a gap in terms of the number of dollars that are throwing, you know, flowing through the shop that translates into revenue and profit. And so when that happens at the last minute, all of a sudden, we don't have a template tomorrow, which means we don't have an install the, you know, in the correlating date on the calendar. There's a scramble that takes place within the sales department. And I'll tell you, it's stressful. It's typically from our business with seasonality, Usually December, January, February are our lightest three months of the year. And so the sales department is scrambling on a regular basis because we don't have a backlog. We don't have an excess of work sold like on a waiting list waiting to drop into those open dates. Typically in spring and summer and fall, we do. We'll typically have one, two, five, seven jobs where people have said, okay, I'll wait till you can get to my job. But if something opens up, I'd like to be pulled forward. If you got those, great. It's not as much of a scramble. If you don't, if you're operating right at your capacity, it could leave you with a gap. And that's stressful for the sales department having to scramble and call customers and in some cases make discounts, try and convince people to move forward. Occasionally, you're trying to convince people to do something that they're really not ready to do. Stressful for the customer and it's stressful for the sales department. And that's a reality. That is part of managing your schedule. There is an effect on sales. So the third challenge that comes with having a fixed turnaround time from template to installation is this. This is all related to production. Uh, pressure. I'm talking extreme pressure. Now the job is sold. It's scheduled. You've templated it. Now that job is entering production and the clock starts ticking. You have to have that job through production ready to install by the committed date. Well, what happens if the material that you received, you get it 
halfway laid out and you realize that the material, the slabs don't match, the veins don't line up. The customer picked a garbage material that's likely to fall apart. Any number of reasons that material could become a delaying effect. Well, gosh, if it takes two days to sort that out, well, now you've now got two fewer days of production to meet that installation deadline. That's problematic. You munch something on the CNC, you program it wrong, whatever, the bit's not you know, calibrated or whatever it is, and you destroy a piece. Well, man, maybe you're three or four days into production process. Now you have even fewer days to recover. Get another slab delivered. Get it laid out. Get it cut. Talk to the customer. Get it CNC'd. Okay, let's talk about it getting into the finishing department. Now you're talking a day or two or three days before the actual committed install date, and something goes wrong with that countertop. A mistake is made. You discover that the the undermount sink template was uh, was was you know, reversed. And so it's actually backwards. It's mirrored. And that's not going to work because the customer wanted the left-hand bowl on the left-hand side or whatever. You know, now you've only got two days to start that process over. Super, super stressful. That creates an amazing amount of negative pressure on your manufacturing facility and on your employees in particular, as you have to figure out how to not only keep the other jobs that are moving through production according to their installation dates, now you have to scramble and in a sense disrupt that by getting that job back into production, move through each stage to get it back to where it can actually still be installed on time. And so that's a hugely negative uh, reality that comes with having those committed dates. Now, in some cases, this is the other, the other negative to this and this pressure of, of having a mistake or a problem that occurs during manufacturing. Here's a, here's a related aspect of this pressure. In some cases, it may happen so late in the game that you have to delay the job. You've actually got to pick up the phone, <laughs> call the customer and go, oops, uh, we had a problem. We broke your slab. We programmed the machine wrong. Whatever the, you know, whatever the explanation is, we're going to have to postpone this two or three days because we simply can't refabricate your kitchen you know, in, in eight hours. We need a few more days to do this and that's going to disrupt another job. Maybe a couple of days out, you're going to have to rearrange the schedule to get it installed and you're going to have to make that call. Now, here's the problem with that. It's one thing, if you're not ever committing to install dates, all you're doing is going out and templating and saying, hey, it's going to be two days to four weeks before we get back. And ex that's their expectation is it's going to be a fly by the seat of pants, you know, kind of operation from a scheduling standpoint. If that's their expectation, no harm, no foul. You can refab the job three times. They don't know it. You show up a month later and they go, well, I guess that's what I expected. Very different once you've started committed, committing to your clients and you start meeting those committed to install dates and you develop a track record where they, they start to depend on you showing up based on the date that you gave them. And now they're scheduling other parts of their project around the fact that they know they can depend on you. When all of a sudden out of the blue, something goes wrong and you miss that date, it is not only hugely disruptive for you, it's going to be hugely disruptive for your customer. And it's negative. There's no way of getting around the negative aspect of that. And occasionally that's going to happen. And so it's just it's, it's communication. you got to communicate. We made a mistake. There's going to be a delay. Hopefully the other 20 jobs that we did on time was of enough benefit, <laughs> you know, for this one instance that we had a two or three day delay while we remade the countertop. And so the pressure that comes from problems during production, if you've got a fixed install date, the clock is ticking. And it, and, and it creates the closer you get to that date, the greater that pressure becomes on everybody involved and in some cases you actually have to call the customer and say we failed we're gonna miss the install date and that's negative so ladies and gentlemen those are the three challenges 
that come with having and committing to a fixed turnaround time from template to installation. Now, here's what's interesting. To wrap this up, as I was preparing for this, it was really interesting. I thought, you know, even despite the challenges, there is a correlating benefit to each of these three challenges that didn't show up in the last episode with the four benefits, the four main benefits I talked about. So in conclusion here, I'm going to continue and sort of pivot back to arguing that there is, even despite these challenges, there are benefits that accompany them. So number one, so you got to say no to some jobs. Okay, that's a problem. You might lose some sales. But here's the benefit that comes along with that. You're less likely to overcommit which means you're less likely to drive up overtime and less likely to have mistakes, which oftentimes even if you were to take the math and compare them at the end of the period, the two alternatives that you've got, let's go crazy, burn everybody out, make a bunch of mistakes and, and regret it. Do a P&L on that week versus the week that you go, you know what? I'm going to pass on this job and just do the jobs that we know we've already got on the schedule. We know we've already hit our 3D, our daily dollar demand. The number of dollars we need is already scheduled. So why would I overcommit? It's already baked into the cake that we're going to be profitable when we do these jobs as these dollars flow through according to the installs that we've committed to. I guarantee that if you compare those P&Ls of those two weeks at the end, you would still see that by passing on that job in terms of bottom, now your sales might be lower that week because you didn't take on the additional work, but I guarantee you the likelihood that your profits will be actually higher in the final analysis, I guarantee it. So you're not going to stress your crew and you're actually going to have higher profits at the end of it, even after passing on a job. So there's the correlating benefit to that. Negative. Number two, delay jobs equal a scramble to fill. Here's another benefit to this. Because you are operating now off of that capacity that you know you have and the number of dollars that you know you need to generate, you've got that awareness. There is this clarity there that allows you to stay focused on generating the dollars. And if you've listened to my other episodes on the 3D view, scheduling dollars, not square feet, when you understand that this is about the number of dollars that are installed every week that contribute to your profit, your salary, and your expenses, this is an amazing help in doing that because it, it's immediately obvious there's a gap. We had $20,000 in daily dollar demand on the schedule. This job bumped off. Now we've got sixteen. Hey, everybody, we got a $4,000 gap. We have got to close because we got to generate these dollars to make the business financially viable. So that's the secondary correlating benefit to this negative of having jobs that are bumped off and delayed. You're going to see the gap in the daily dollar demand, and you're going to be able to take actions to correct it, which winds up in your bottom line. Number three, the pressure. When there's that kind of pressure, here's the interesting thing about this. It forces you into the realization that it doesn't take nearly as long to make a countertop as you thought it did. It doesn't take a week. I've been surprised at the number of times when we didn't think we could even we didn't think we even had time to take on another job, but we had another job go sideways and we had to refabricate, you know, get another slab delivered, cut it after you lay it out, see and see it, finish it. We still get jobs done despite those problems that occur during production. And it's amazing. And it demonstrates and it shows us, it proves to us what we're capable of. There, and, and, it, and it optimizes productivity. We realize in that scenario that our operations are capable of much more. When you confine it into that rhythm, that repeating routine, you begin to realize, you begin to see much more clearly how long it actually takes to manufacture a kitchen or a countertop. And you see, gosh, 
I didn't think we had time to even get that job done the first time, and here it is. We were actually able to refabricate half that kitchen. Now, you can't do that every day, and you can't do that every week, obviously. But having those scenarios actually proves to us, it, it, it certifies that actually it's it's possible to produce more than we might have otherwise thought when we didn't have a real firm grasp on what our production capacity was, broken down by day, committed to on the schedule, and then produced. And so, ladies and gentlemen, fellow fabricators, those are the three challenges that come with having a fixed turnaround time. But you've also seen the three correlating benefits that accompany them. So I want to I want to make in, in closing, I want to make one final comment here. And I may be stepping out on a limb and I may be stepping on somebody's toes. That's not my point. I, I don't say this to demean. I don't say this to diminish. We all need to run our businesses in accordance with how they you know, meet the requirements of our life. We need to build businesses that serve us. And, and, and so to each his own, I really honestly believe that. But for companies who want to make the leap from being a quote-unquote fabricator to a manufacturer, to make the leap from being a craftsman-oriented, kind of one-off, we do one job at a time, super custom, to a business that operates without the head craftsman, i.e. the master craftsman being there all the time. If you're going to make that transition, you got to make the transition from fabricator to manufacturer. And I think this fixed turnaround time is one of the most distinct qualifiers, one of the most distinct differences between flying by the seat of your pants scheduling and production and building a manufacturing company that systematically is able to keep the promise that it makes to the customer, even in the absence of the owner. Ladies and gentlemen, that is possible. Ladies and gentlemen, fellow fabricators, that is exactly what I talked about in my book, Less Chaos, More Cash. That's the goal, it is to build routines, rhythms, processes, habits into the business at every level so that everybody knows what to do when and so that even the customer knows what to expect. And when that happens, the conclusion, the benefit to that, I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, what is it? It's 11 o'clock in the morning. I have not received a single phone call from my office yet today. I'm working from home, working out of my home office, recording this podcast. Not a single call, and yet I know jobs are being sold, jobs are being scheduled, jobs are being templated. Moving through production and being installed today without my direct involvement because of this methodology, because of this philosophy, because we have a fixed turnaround time, number one. And number two, we are committed to effective delegation and making expectations known at every level of the company so everybody knows what to do every day. It repeats itself. It's a routine. It's a rhythm. In some respects, it's kind of boring. <laughs> In other respects, it's kind of awesome because I haven't gotten any calls today about things blowing up and customers being ticked. Now, that could happen. But I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to, that kind of business, if you want to make that kind of transition, if you are inspired to move towards that sort of an experience within your business, I just want to... I want to recommend, visit AaronCrowley.com, download the three chapters of my book and start reading those to see if it gives you a glimpse of what might be possible, and then connect with me. I'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to me, Aaron at AaronCrowley.com. I do coaching on a regular basis. I even do complimentary coaching sessions for the right owner. And so I'd love to hear from you. I just want to see other fabricators improve their businesses. That's the whole purpose of the Blab Lab or what we used to call the Fab Lab podcast. So ladies and gentlemen, make sure you do that. Make sure you check out AaronCrowley.com. Make sure you join the Stone Fabricators Alliance. Make sure you're brushing shoulders. You're running up against other fabricators, learning from them and also sharing with them. They need to hear from you as well. And make sure you tune in next week to the next episode of the Fab Lab podcast. You're not going to want to miss it. Until then... Happy fabricating. <laughs>